0: The weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. Snow, I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: And we've been building up to this all month long, and it's finally that special time of year. It's our Christmas special. Bum, Hooray! bum, bum, bum. And today we are talking about the infamous action film. I won't call it a Christmas film because it's I will. not a Christmas it film. It is a
1: Christmas film. No,
0: we're talking about Die Hard, we released are. in 1988. And we are particularly going to discuss slash battle slash fight to the death about... The age old question is Die Hard a Christmas movie?
1: Yes, clearly Frankie has shown her cards already.
0: I, bitch, I haven't even started shuffling the deck yet, okay? <laughs>
1: Well, you Boom. Have, you showed everyone what you're picking. And it,
0: well, yeah, I've made it perfectly clear. I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but let me just reiterate. Uh, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie.
1: And that would be an incorrect statement because Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> you're it so... Is,
0: no, you're wrong. It is you're wrong, sir. The, I have data.
1: It is the best Christmas movie <laughs> out there. What? And-
0: <laughs> what? Wait, whoa, that is a very heavy and incorrect statement. Because even if I was going to acquiesce and say, yes, it's a Christmas movie, which I will not. But if I were to say such a crazy thing, I certainly would never say that it's the greatest Christmas movie ever.
1: (laughs) It is definitely up there in the pantheon of Christmas movies. I
0: know. No. This is going to be a battle royale, guys, okay? You know we like to argue sometimes on this show, and I'm sure you guys get a real kick out of it. This is going to be, like, times a million, okay? Because we are both very stubborn.
1: In our 15 years of knowing each other, this has been an argument that has persisted through most of those 15 years.
0: Yes. Now, I I think... I think the best thing we can do to start this off is to find something that we both can agree on. And I think what we both can agree on in this particular situation is that Die Hard is a fucking great movie. Oh,
1: yes, of course.
0: It's a one of the best action movies in the land, for sure.
1: Yes, and this argument has now become the most divisive argument that we've seen in a long time. If you argue, it's probably split about 50-50 between people who really agree that Die Hard shows all the hallmarks and themes of a Christmas movie, while 50% of people, like Frankie, argue because they're blood and guts and terrorists and shooting and theft.
0: You would agree that those are not Christmas themes. I I would not
1: say that. I would say You
0: you would say that blood, guts, terrorism, and thievery are Christmas themes. I'm not saying holiday themes. I am not saying they
1: are warm or fuzzy. I am not saying they are the greatest Christmas things to happen. But in a great deal of Christmas movies, there is darkness before The light of positivity in Christmas.
0: I think you are reaching, so very far. You're like Michael Jordan in that scene in Space Jam, where he's like, no, 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 right at the buzzer. Just no. Okay, no.
1: Let's go with my first quick little argument. Is it's a wonderful life? A Christmas movie? Yes. Yes. (laughs) What does he want to do initially? What's his initial goal? He wants to kill himself. darkness before he finds the light of christmas right okay Thing. okay first point in the favor of scott (laughs) thank you this is arguments that lead to
0: you're comparing this you're comparing die hard to it's a wonderful i have a
1: couple of comparisons in my arguments from die hard and it's a wonderful okay, okay okay
0: okay before we get into the arguing and going through the film let's get out some of the preliminary mishigas about this movie because there is a lot to talk about as far as the accolades this movie has got the the power behind it the direction the writing all that good stuff so let's get all that good stuff out of the way and then i will destroy you with my steel arguments okay now die hard yes was directed by john mctiernan who is a well-known director behind a lot of kick-ass action movies including predator which we discussed i think in our second episode of this wonderful podcast hunt for red october last action hero die hard 3 which i would argue is the best of the die hard trilogy uh it was written by two writers jeb stewart who was behind such films as The Fugitive, and Stephen E. D'Souza behind such classics as 48 Hours, Commando, Running Man. Uh, So are we sensing a theme here? A lot of action powerhouses behind this movie, and you can tell. And also, with the writing, you can tell that there is a a good twist of comedy in there.
1: Yes. Uh, It's actually quite funny because in this movie... They do reference both Rambo and Schwarzenegger.
0: Yes, I think it would be an interesting conversation to see who would win in a tour de force, either Schwarzenegger's character in Predator or John McClane Things or Rambo.
1: A- Probably Rambo, just because Rambo is literally like almost a super soldier.
0: This movie started off with a budget of $28 and... And it had a worldwide gross of a whopping $141.5 million. Boom. So, yeah, a powerhouse from the word go. And it's still just beloved to this day. It was nominated for four Oscars in 1989, which is kind of crazy because now the idea of an action movie getting nominated for multiple Oscars is kind of bizarre, even though, like, all the Oscars that they get nominated for were technical, but still, give Die Hard it's due, it's difficult for an action movie to get Oscar love, so that's pretty cool, I think. It's so
1: apparent why Bruce Willis has become such a star from this movie. Oh,
0: of course. I mean, this was very early in his career, around, like, the moonlighting times, this was really his big break
1: it, but it's he's so charming in this mm-hmm. and he's you can tell he clearly cares right now
0: oh yeah I, I miss the times where bruce willis cared now since scott already jumped the gun here on the christmas movie argument let me just say that um while john mctiernan has gone on record saying that he believes that this is a christmas movie bruce willis himself does not
1: I would like to bring up, again, It's a Wonderful Life. You know who else considered It's a Wonderful Life not to be a Christmas movie? Frank Capra. Okay. So there are a bunch of people who consider that movie a Christmas movie, and the main guy behind the movie did not consider it a Christmas movie.
0: You really did your homework, didn't you? Oh,
1: damn straight I okay, did. Okay, well, I'm coming for this.
0: Well, did you happen to, in your research, determine when It's a Wonderful Life was released?
1: Yes, I I did do that.
0: When when was it released? It Scott? was released in December. Oh, it was. But what else is in December? Christmas. Right. Yes. Okay. But, okay. Now, when when was Die Hard released? The summer. July. July. Yes. Okay. Okay. Wait. 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 What's in July? Not Christmas. Okay. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 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 It was never pause, marketed pause, as a Christmas pause, movie.
1: Pause. Pause. Wait. Wait. Ready? Here's my next argument. Oh my God. <laughs> Would you consider Miracle on 34th Street a Christmas movie?
0: Santa's in it and the whole plot revolves around Christmas. You know when that movie came out? When, Scott? May! (laughs) Okay. Fine. Whatever. Listen. we're, We're both very passionate about this. Why? I don't know. It really has no effect on our lives whatsoever. We clearly need other things to do. But I digress. In preparation for this, I came up with some criteria. I call it Frankie's Five Festive Rules for an official Christmas movie. Now, some of these criteria match with Die Hard. Okay? Okay. So don't get upset. Okay. Now in my Frankie's Five Festive Fabulous rules to a Christmas movie, the movie has to reach all of these criteria. So let me proceed. Number one, the film must take place on or around Christmas time. Check. Number two, the film must have an abundance of Christmas iconography. Parentheses, trees, lights, Santa, etc. Check. Number three, the film must have at least one Christmas song.
1: Also, check.
0: Number four, and here's where we get a little. Tricky. The film's central storyline must revolve around Christmas.
1: It does, and I will get into that argument later. It
0: fucking doesn't. We're going to fucking fight about that because it doesn't. It does. Okay, whatever, bro. And then the fifth and final criteria is as follows. Ahem. Film must have an abundance of quote-unquote warm and fuzzies. This film does not have warm and fuzzies. A
1: lot of Christmas movies don't have warm and fuzzies until the very end of the movie.
0: True. I'm arguing that this film has 0% warm and fuzzies. Well, that
1: is an incorrect statement, and we will get into that argument. I can disprove four and five. I have already won the first three, and I will win the last two. (laughs) You can't!
0: You may be able to get me on five for one scene But rule number four You cannot convince me of sir I will
1: gladly do that
0: You cannot I will Because it is not
1: true (laughs) It is very true
0: (sighs) Shall we get into the nitty gritty then?
1: We shall dear So the movie starts off with Bruce Willis landing in the city of angels Los Angeles, California And he's sitting next to a normal guy telling him That he should take off his shoes when he gets into the airport.
0: That was very odd. Like, I totally forgot about that opening for some reason. And I was just like, okay, that's setting the tone, I suppose, for an awkward laugh.
1: (laughs) People are weird on airplanes, especially when you sit next to them for a number of hours.
0: You want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes.
1: Fist with your toes. Bruce Willis takes a giant stuffed bear out of the compartment, making him kind of an asshole because he took up the whole compartment with a stuffed bear. Well, he can't
0: just hold it on his lap. He's gotta put it somewhere.
1: He should check the bear.
0: He's not gonna check the bear. Someone can just walk off
1: with the bear. If I'm on that plane and I need that storage compartment, I'm gonna be pissed. Never mind, it's not the point. I think,
0: listen, we're gonna be fighting enough on this episode. Maybe don't fight with me about a stuffed bear.
1: We cut to a Christmas party. Everyone's having a good time. And we meet Holly. Holly.
0: Are you suggesting that the movie is a Christmas movie because the character's name is Holly?
1: No, I'm just saying it's a minor positive in that direction.
0: It's not, but okay. Um, Holly is played by Bonnie Bedelia, and she's a badass bitch. We love her.
1: She calls her kids, and she, she wishes them a Merry Christmas, and that she'll be home soon and she tells her nanny that she should uh, prepare a guest bedroom if John comes home with them.
0: It's pretty much established right from the beginning that Holly and her husband John are estranged, but Holly still has some glimmer of hope that they'll work it out somehow, which is nice.
1: Yeah, you don't know what the problem is here. You will shortly find out what the problem is. When we cut back to the airport, where we meet Argyle, who is picking up John McLean at the airport.
0: I feel like Argyle was meant to be a, a comic relief type character. He and is. he kind of is, but he's mostly useless. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a limo
1: driver. He's not, you know, but he picks up Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis sits in the front with him, and Argyle.
0: He pr- proceeds to feed the audience exposition.
1: <laughs> yeah, about how. Bruce Willis is a cop uh, in New York an in N- the, NYPD officer e- Exactly And Holly got this job Out here And it caused a rift In their marriage And He's hoping that He goes to this Christmas party Holly and him Get back together Move back to New York We move forward He plays Of course He plays Run DMC Christmas and Hollis Baby It was December 24th When Hollis the dark When I the man Chilling with his- Dog. Oh my
0: God. A a man, I was Listen, I conceded that, that this movie has Christmas iconography and Christmas songs in it. That, by itself, does not make a Christmas movie, however.
1: Oh, I just wanted us to play Christmas in Hollis. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> John finally gets to Nakatomi Towers, where the Christmas party is taking place. And he looks at a computer to find where Holly is.
0: Yeah, she's listed under her maiden name, Holly Gennaro, and you're like, ooh, that's not good. (laughs) That's that's a statement right there.
1: Yes, it is very different than nowadays. Like, back in the day, that used to be a problem for people. Now I don't care that Frankie's Frankie Sparks. I fell in love with her that way. That's how I care for her to be. I could have been almost talked into Scott Sparks because that sounds like a superhero.
0: It does, actually. That would have been fun.
1: John, again, shows up at the party. He meets with the head of the Nakatomi Towers. And he also meets Ellis, who is snorting cocaine.
0: Ellis is literally the worst. (laughs) Can we just put that out there? He's a fucking coke fiend, smarmy, slimy scuzzball.
1: Yeah, he's the typical L.A. big shot sleaze that you've seen in a ton of movies. Every movie he's snorting with his nose.
0: Oh my god, it's Every so scene, ridiculous! It's like,
1: it's like, and you're like, dude, dude, it's
0: like, dude, it's Christmas, dude, like, Do You have to fucking.
1: It's gotta snow somewhere, Frankie. Oh <laughs> my god. Uh, so Holly and John go off into a spare room. You could clearly tell Holly missed John, though.
0: Yes, you can tell that there's an awkwardness, but there's still a heap ton of chemistry between them.
1: Uh, honestly, the chemistry is amazing for them being on screen together for what three minutes
0: not just the chemistry between them but like a lot of the interactions in this movie have a a feeling of realism to them and grit and i feel like a lot of that has to do with the direction obviously the writing as well
1: they get into the argument about holly going under holly Gennaro and they go back and forth and holly gets called away to make a speech
0: yeah, she's like, oh, I'll be back in a couple minutes.
1: So John decides to take off his shoes to calm down. And then, of course, the terrorists show up. Dun, dun, dun! They kill the main security guard, take his place, and who comes riding up the elevator? But Alan motherfucking Rickman.
0: Yeah. Oh, God, I miss him so much.
1: He's,
0: he's so great in this.
1: <laughs> he's great in everything he ever did.
0: This was his first movie, actually, which is kind of crazy to think about considering how big his career got. But he prepared a great deal for this role, which you would think wouldn't really even be necessary. I mean, it seems like on paper it would just be like a run-of-the-mill villain role. But he intensely studied German speech and dialect so he could perfect the accent. And just the vibe, like, he's very cold, very menacing. Well,
1: there's a reason that whenever you, you talk about movie villains, the man who's always near at least the top five of the list is always Hans Gruber.
0: Yeah, he, he really just knocked this right out of the park, as well as pretty much everybody else. I can't think of anyone in this cast that was like a squeaky wheel, you know?
1: No, nobody. Everybody played the part great. So, they start shooting into the air, collecting everybody, and John's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. He sees a staircase.
0: Yeah, he's got, like, a wife beater on, no shoes, and a handgun, (laughs) and he's just running off into nowhere.
1: He runs into the staircase, and he evades them for now.
0: You know, I think this is a great time, considering that we're just shooting off into the main plot here with our boy John McCain. John McCain. (laughs) (laughs) With our boy John McClain. I feel like this is the best time to go into a little segment that we haven't done in a while, Scott. It's the cast. To the been. Been. Yoip, going deep color past enemy lines, making everybody think I'm on the Christmas side, rocking warm sweaters, hanging big ass lights. If the fat man can see me, yo, it's gotta look right. I watch all the TV specials. That so I John McClane is obviously an iconic character, and there were some interesting. Names being batted around for the role of John Motherfucking McLean. I didn't know this, but apparently, Clint Eastwood originally owned the rights to the novel that Die Hard was based on, and planned to star in the film in the early '80s, which would have been weird. I don't know. I okay, mean, well he has- Clint Eastwood is like I- I'm not a fan of Clint Eastwood personally, but he's got that grit about him. The
1: thing about John McClane, he definitely is the everyman. That's what he's supposed to be. And Clint, I guess back in the early 80s, could have pulled off the everyman kind of thing. I don't think it would have been as wise ass as Bruce does it. But
0: Yeah, true. Well, it's funny you mentioned the everyman because we also mentioned uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone before. And. Both of them were also considered for the role of John McClane, but McTiernan said that he wanted a "quote unquote" average guy for the role, which makes sense.
1: Stallone and Schwarzenegger are way too big for this role.
0: Yeah, because Bruce Willis at this time, like he's not, he's not jacked or anything. He he's he looks good. He's definitely fit, but he's not this over the top muscle bound jackhammer of a dude. No,
1: he's a guy. If you walked into a bar in New York City and had a cop sit next to you, he could be Bruce Willis.
0: True, and you you wouldn't want to fuck with that guy. No.
1: No, you would not.
0: Now, there were a multitude of other actors considered, first of which being Robert De Niro, who was offered the role and turned it down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. I mean this was this was what, eighty eight, so
1: It could that could have worked.
0: It could have worked, but I feel like it would have had a totally different tone and feeling. It
1: would have to be darker.
0: Darker and just like a different attitude, I feel like. Yeah. But uh other actors that were considered include the following. We have Richard Gere, <laughs> which probably the weirdest one, I feel (laughs) like. Uh, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Michael Madsen.
1: Makes sense.
0: John Travolta. Uh, Okay, Pulp, yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, he's been in a lot of action movies, you know. We all know Travolta is like... "Mm -hmm." But, like, he's been in a lot of action movies. Are you saying you want to take his face off? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, We also have Nick Nolte and... What? Al motherfucking Pacino considered. hoo So, obviously, it's a lot of uh, great leading men.
1: I don't think any of them could have outdone what Bruce Willis did here.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking that, too. Bruce Willis obviously owns the role.
1: Yeah, it, it would be very tough to imagine any of those guys in this role at this moment.
0: Even though the the series has since then gone off the rails a little bit... Uh, mainly because bruce willis does not give a flying fuck anymore and also because in the last couple of movies i haven't seen them but from what i have seen of them it's just turned into like a fucking explosion he's a superhero shit show yeah it's like okay whatever the reason that die hard works is because it's gritty and it's grounded and like we were saying John McClane is just a regular guy. Yeah, he's a cop, but he's just a guy. (laughs) He's
1: not a superhero. Well, you look at what makes One Through Three so great. At any point, if John fucks up, he could die. There is no point in Live Free or Die Hard, even though I do enjoy that movie, there is no point in Live Free or Die Hard where I go, you know, John might die here.
0: Okay, so here's a question to wrap up. Our cast could have been here. Because, obviously, these days, you look left, you look right, there's a remake happening of something. If there were to be a remake of Die Hard today, who do you think would be an adequate John McClane?
1: If you were going to go that route, which, again, I'm saying definitely should not happen, I feel like it would have to be someone unassuming, it couldn't be somebody you've seen in an action movie. Like, it couldn't be Jason Statham or somebody like that.
0: Right, I agree, because that was kind of the same thing with Bruce Willis. He was just a regular, like, actor on Moonlighting, and this was his first action movie.
1: I started thinking of people like Winston Duke, but Winston Duke's a brick house of a man.
0: I have a thought. Okay. This is off the top of my head. John Krasinski. Uh, yes and no,
1: I I because he started to do more actiony stuff, so I can kind of yeah. See but he him. hasn't
0: done anything huge in that area. Let's be real. Everyone mainly knows him as Jim from The Office, and That's he's true. he's got that charm about him. He does.
1: It's definitely a possibility. He's not a bad choice for the top of your head. I can't give you any. I can't give you shit about it. It's a pretty decent choice for the top of your head. Of Why? Thank now. you.
0: I try. I try my best here on Cast Could Have Bins.
1: In the similar vein of John Krasinski, how about Joseph Gordon-Levitt?
0: He could be interesting. Cuz he would be even less expected than Jay Kras. Yeah, he's very talented. And the thing is with Bruce Willis, like he's, you know, he's wiry. Gordon-Levitt's wiry. He is. So that could work. I would actually that would be that would be crazy too cuz if god forbid they did do a remake of Looper. Die Hard, oh looper we got to get you to watch looper looper's fucking sick but what i was thinking was oh yeah because they were in that together oh my god that would actually be fucking amazing oh my god it didn't even occur to me that that was it just occurred
1: to me right now oh my
0: god yes okay now i want this to happen but anyway so god forbid if they did make a remake of die hard and joseph gordon levitt was cast i feel like publicly it would be such a fucking, like, out of left field choice that it would get so much buzz going for the movie. I think that would be fucking awesome. Hollywood, take notes. Are you listening? <laughs> that I, honestly, I don't want them to remake Die Hard, no, 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 but no. if they did and they cast Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I wouldn't be mad. Like, I'd be interested to see that. Just to see it happen. Well, that was fun. <laughs> so, that... Ladies and gentlemen, has been cast could have been cause I am Jehovah's most secret witness, so I might have to dedicate my life to Christmas and act just like I love it till the day I. Die.
1: So yes, Hans Gruber has now taken control of the pate. Hey? Alan Rickman takes the head of Nakatomi uh, Enterprises upstairs and tries to get a code out of him. And as John watches from underneath a table, Alan Rickman who can't get the code out of him just shoots him in the head
0: yeah it was really very sudden and quick and it just shows you right away that this guy's not fucking around but I do want to ask you in regards to the Christmas aspect of this how exactly do you justify this bloody horrible scene as being part of a Christmas movie again does that give you warm and fuzzies Scotty
1: now, Frankie, no, murder does not give me warm and fuzzy.
0: I would hope not. That would be a little concerning.
1: <laughs> but, as I said before, there is darkness that leads to the positivity that eventually Christmas happens. While, yes, Hallmark Christmas movies tend to have...
0: I'm not talking about Hallmark Christmas movies.
1: They all tend to have garbage like oh he's a workaholic and he doesn't pay attention to christmas he just wants to get back to the
0: big city and then he whips out a gun and shoots the nearest person on the street in a bloody mess can- and then they go home and they sing christmas carols around the fire like why no i considered putting as a bonus criteria on my list blood and guts automatically disqualify the movie can christmas not
1: be a vengeful thing
0: no can people not
1: learn from their past misdeeds or learn from the horrors of a situation that's
0: not vengefulness redemption Ish. is different than vengefulness in Scrooge, he is lit on fire in a coffin yeah it's that's a Christmas Carol a, that's story. That's a metaphor. Yeah,
1: it's a Christmas Carol story, though.
0: That's a metaphor, Scott. <laughs> Metaphors are different. The fucking Nakatomi guy did not get metaphorically <laughs> shot in the face. No, he did not. <laughs> he got literally shot in the face, and you see blood and guts on the window. It, he's dead. Deader than dead and bloody as fuck. And that's not Christmas-y. It is.
1: It is part of Bruce Willis's Journey to Redemption Learning to appreciate what he has, especially his wife, her career, and his family. It is a no, start to no Bruce Will- you're reaching. No, you're I am You're reaching, reaching so it far. Is a start to Bruce Willis's journey on redemption.
0: That is such a reach, Michael Jordan. You are reaching towards the hoop
1: and you know what Michael Jordan at the did the final buzzer. And you know what Michael Jordan did there? He, he scored the bucket and won the game. Thank you.
0: That's that's not what okay he only reached the bucket because he employed cartoon logic that doesn't exist in the real world therefore you're operating in magic land
1: cartoon logic exists all over the place
0: no it really doesn't this isn't a cartoon this is not a child's movie scott okay
1: if a child watches a movie isn't it become a child's movie
0: yeah, I'll be sure to employ that logic when we show our young child, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: You want to show our child Texas Chainsaw I Massacre? I don't, you do, apparently. I, I didn't say that, I said if a child watches it. You said, watches, is, it, any,
0: is it any movie a child's movie?
1: When they watch it, it becomes a child's movie.
0: You're just not making any sense anymore.
1: I'm making all the sense. You're
0: really just hurting your argument here because you're losing credibility. (laughs) I'm losing credibility. Everything you say makes no goddamn sense. There is all
1: the credibility in the world. So far,
0: I don't see any part of the central plot having to do with Christmas. Oh, sorry.
1: Sorry why this movie had to take place on christmas no yes, it doesn't
0: it does it really doesn't it does it could be any office party it
1: doesn't have to no, be a christmas party. it had to be christmas because alan rickman's whole plan was based around christmas because he didn't want the tower to be completely full he wanted only a limited number of groups of people in the tower you don't have a valentine's party and have everybody that's stay. not a
0: fucking important plot point it is
1: a very important plot point oh it had God. to happen on christmas because no. it got rid of everybody But the Christmas party, John McClane's not coming for Valentine's Day. He's not coming for Earth Day. He's coming because it's Christmas, goddammit.
0: So my argument against that is the plot points that make this movie happen on Christmas aren't important plot points that are necessary for the plot to move forward. The main plot of the movie is terrorists go into building to rob said building and hold people hostage and John McClane kicks ass. That could happen any old day of the year. It doesn't have to be Christmas. So the central plot of the film is not revolved around Christmas. Also,
1: let's bring back up It's a Wonderful Life right here for a moment. Does It's a Wonderful Life mention Christmas
0: Yes. They don't say Christmas. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. Merry Christmas, movie!
1: Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone!
0: And then at the end of the movie, it's New Year's and they sing "Old Lang Syne." It's it's Christmas movie, Scott. Okay, that's not what we're arguing here today. Okay,
1: Christmas does not have to be mentioned for it to be a Christmas movie. Correct. There are plenty of Christmas movies that don't mention it. Correct. This movie does mention it, at Christmas, so that leads it to.
0: Added wait a to it, no, being no, no, your no, Christmas. No, no, no. no. That, you just proved my argument no, there. No, I did. No, you, you did because. No, I did not. I said this <laughs> no, adds to wait, it. Wait, no, wait. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> you just proved my argument there because you just said not every Christmas movie mentions that it's Christmas. So then, by the transitive property, just because you mentioned that it's Christmas doesn't mean it's no, the fucking Christmas You can't use the transitive property I absolutely yet. can. I'm a <laughs> genius, damn it. This is apples and
1: oranges. This is not apples and apples. You can't use the transitive property here. I
0: feel like all our viewers' eyes are rolling in the back of their heads right now. Maybe we should just put a pin in this little argument for right now and then we'll continue with the plot and we will resume our argument at a later point.
1: Okay, fine.
0: Before we kill each other. (laughs) That will definitely not be Christmas. So
1: John pulls the fire alarm to try and get the fire department to come break up this terrorist thing. Uh, The terrorists figure that out pretty quickly. Send the fire department away. They send a guy up to try and kill John who... Doesn't succeed. Him and John brawl, and John breaks his neck when they fall down the staircase. And then John proceeds to take his machine gun and everything he has on him, put him in a chair, and write, I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho.
0: Who are you calling a ho? He sets up the body so that Hans and the other guys can find it, and Hans is obviously very concerned (laughs) when he reads the guy's sweatshirt it's very cold but also kind of hilarious how he just is so detached saying this iconic christmasy line now i have
1: a machine gun carl who happens to be this guy's brother is very upset that his brother is dead he wants blood he wants blood holly knows it's john Because, as she says later, uh, only one man could make someone that crazy. John runs up to the roof and starts transmitting on an emergency line because he stole a walkie-talkie off the dead guy that terrorists have taken over Nakatomi Towers. And the police answer, and they're like, sir, this is an emergency line. If you have an emergency, please call 911. He goes, I'm calling for a
0: pizza? These fucking people are ridiculous. Like wh- he, He's clearly in distress, this person. Even if you think it's a prank call, you have to respond. You can't just be like, "I'm um, sir, call back later. Like, no. <laughs> what the
1: fuck? So the police decide they're going to send over one cruiser, but the man they call...
0: Oh, my God, the best.
1: ...is Sergeant Al Powell.
0: Woo! Played by Reginald Bell Johnson, who is probably more notably recognized as the dad from family matters (laughs) (laughs) but this movie was filmed before that so this is pre family matters and he's the fucking shit
1: (laughs) he is he's great in this he gets a little shit for buying Too much food in the.
0: He buys a bunch of honey buns, and the fucking clerk is like, oh. uh."
1: I thought cops only ate donuts. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And he's like, oh, my wife's pregnant, asshole. (laughs) Like, fucking leave me alone. (laughs) It's funny because he has such chemistry with John McClain, and for 95% of the movie, they're never in the same scene together. They're just talking over the walkie talkie. Honestly.
1: That was one thing I was very upset about with this whole trilogy is...
0: They never brought him back.
1: Well, no, he he comes back in the second one, but he's only in it for like literally oh, five seconds. Oh, I don't seconds. even
0: remember that. See, that's how much I don't like Die Hard 2. I didn't even remember he was in
1: there. He's in it for like five seconds. But how do they not have a moment where like they're together doing a fucking crime in LA or something?
0: They should do a crime in LA, yes. or do like crime fighting in crime LA.
1: Crime fighting in LA. Oh,
0: okay, that would have been a whole other movie. They just turn rogue and go like
1: yes, dark side together. <laughs> exactly. While Holly tries to hunt them down. Oh my god, Holly's a badass bitch. She fucking would. Yeah, she would. So, Al gets out of the car as Frankie said before,
0: and he's yeah, he he's gonna go in and look around. But he's like, you safe. know what?
1: Fuck this shit. It's Christmas Eve. I'm going the fuck home. Bruce Willis, who is having a shootout with two terrorists in uh floor upstairs, kills them both in pretty great fashion. One where the guy's on top of a table and he's like, you should have killed me when you had the chance. You don't got to take the shot when you have it. And then Bruce Willis shoots him from under the table and says, thanks for the advice. <laughs> Bruce Willis then proceeds to take that man and throw him out the window onto Sergeant Al Powell's car while he's driving away. This leads to Al being shot at and he crashes his car. So now John goes and hides in the vents.
0: Oh yes, coolest shot probably, most iconic shot in the movie. The shot is still amazing. There's a lot of really interesting, unique shots in this, but that one in particular is really good. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. It's all good. (laughs) Oh, God. I miss Bruce Willis giving a fuck, man. When he gives a fuck, it's nice. It's so good. It kind of reminds me of Harrison Ford, except Harrison Ford knows when to care. Like, he cares for certain movies, but he still knows when to turn it on. Bruce Willis literally does not give a fuck.
1: (laughs) So, because John has a radio... He starts talking to Hans. They're having a fun little dialogue where Hans says... He's a cowboy who watched too many westerns growing up. Well, he goes, okay, Mr. Cowboy. And as Bruce Willis is ending the conversation, he goes... yippee ki motherfucker. motherfucker. Uh,
0: I would assume the most iconic line in the whole series of Die Hard. But what I think is interesting, though... There's so many good one-liners in this movie... But that is the one that stood out. And in this scene, it literally is almost an afterthought. It's almost like mumbled under his breath. I It is a good line, though. It's, yeah, well, badass it's a badass line. Oh,
1: it's a great fucking line. So John gets on the radio and starts talking to Al. So Al is in charge until Dwayne, the police chief, shows up.
0: Uh, Yeah, played by Paul Gleason who was the principal in Breakfast Club. So you already know who this motherfucker is.
1: <laughs> are, are you saying the bull is going to get the horns?
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure.
1: Holly, being the badass bitch that she is, goes to confront Han saying they need a couch and they need to start letting people pee in bathrooms.
0: She goes in there fearless as fuck and talks to the guy nice and calm, not like emotional, not scared, not whimpering or nothing. She's like, listen... We're people out here and you need to, like, do certain things. Otherwise, it's going to get fucking gross out there.
1: (laughs) People are going to start peeing in the koi pond. There's a
0: pregnant ass bitch and a lot of people that got to take shits. So let's get this going.
1: (laughs) She also, she's Holly Gennaro here.
0: We don't want anyone to know (laughs) that I'm a McLean. That might be a problem.
1: So now we cut to... Channel 5 News, where Richard Formberg receives Al Powell's call over the frequency because, you know, the, the news follows the police frequency. And he's like, shit's going down. I have to get there. And basically forces his way into covering the story. Richard Formberg is a dick.
0: Yes. <laughs> and he's he's used to playing a dick, though. He is. He played the dick in uh, Ghostbusters, too. He did. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick.
1: So now Dwayne has taken over and decided he's going in to get the terrorist. The terrorists are killing cops left and right. Basically, machine gun fire. The cops bring a tank that starts getting shot with rockets. John fucking drops a C4 explosive to kill the two terrorists with the rockets, saving the cops from being blown to smithereens. This leads to John finally talking to Dwayne, who's like, I have people out here covered in glass.
0: Glass? Who gives a fuck about glass, you
1: fucking pussy? (laughs) Are, Are you serious, man? I'm not the one being butt-fucked on national television, Dwayne. Finally, we cut back to the Christmas party where Ellis is talking to Holly after snorting some more coke and going, You know what? I gotta go fucking talk to this guy. I talk million-dollar deals, and I can't wait for your husband or damn to see who kills us first.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so done with Ellis. This motherfucker who you tried to fuck his wife in the beginning of the movie now is running around barefoot (laughs) trying to save your fucking ass why don't you just shut the fuck up snort some more coke and sit down like just stop well he cease and desist
1: he's too high to even
0: by the way do you consider heavy drug use a christmas theme scott snow that's not snow though that's it's snow yeah it's snow yeah it's it's snow you're terrible. You're a terrible human. But yeah, I couldn't wait for Ellis to die. I was so ready. I was like, Great, let's go. Best scene ever. So Ellis,
1: of course, now gives Hans John McClain's real name and is like, Hey Bubby, you know uh I'm your friend from back home. I invited you to the Christmas party, you know? And John's like, Ellis, Tell these people you don't know me. Ellis, you don't know these people. They're going to kill you.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty fucking intense scene. But after, you know, a few too many booby babies, fucking Han shoots Ellis in the face. <laughs> Again, another lovely Christmas adornment for the windows.
1: Red and green, baby. Christmas colors.
0: So um, outside, though, fucking uh, Dwayne Robinson is like, Oh my, he, he got that guy killed. He's just, he might as well have shot him himself. And fucking Powell's like, Are you serious, you dumb fuck? He did everything he could to try to save his ass. Like, shut the fuck up. These people are ridiculous.
1: This leads to Hans demanding the release of several known terrorists.
0: Yeah, so it it like this is clearly bullshit what he's saying. He's like, Oh, you must release all of these revolutionary brothers and sisters from these organizations And the whole time Powell is listening on the radio and McLean and they're both like Why the
1: fuck you lying? Why you always
0: lying? Mm, Oh my god, stop fucking lying
1: But this leads to the FBI taking over.
0: Oh, yes. Agent Johnson and Johnson. Johnson. No relation.
1: <laughs> and as Powell puts it, they are running the FBI handbook. All while this is going on, Theo, who is one of the terrorists, is cutting into a big safe because what Hans is really after $60 million in bonds. So they learned that John had stolen the detonators that they need to blow up Nakatomi Tower. So Hans... And Carl and the rest of the terrorists go looking for John McLean. And who finds him? Hans does.
0: Yeah, this scene is fucking sick. So McLean comes upon Hans and he immediately changes his accent to an American accent to try and disguise himself as one of the hostages. And you think for a second that McLean is buying it, but the best thing about this scene is that the whole fucking thing was improvised. Uh, John McTiernan, the director, saw that Alan Rickman could do a really good American accent. So they came up with the idea to have this kind of cat and mouse gang going on between him and McLean. The tension between them in this scene is palpable. Like, oh, hell yeah. Because you don't know 100% if McLean is buying it. We feel like he's too smart for this, but then he's giving him a fucking gun and it's like what the fuck And then McLean turns around and Hans points this gun at McLean and McLean is like Please Hans, are you fucking kidding me? You think I'm that stupid I have no bullets, haha <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then Carl shows up <gasps> and he starts shooting and John starts running.
0: Oh, yeah. This is where she gets real because he's just, like, screaming and shooting wildly and running around like a psycho. Carl
1: looks at Hans and Hans goes, shoot the glass. And they start shooting the glass, which leads to McLean having to run over broken glass to get away.
0: Yeah, another fun fact. The shot with him running over the glass with his bare feet was actually done by bruce willis wearing special rubber shoes that were made to look like his bare feet so i am guessing he actually did run over glass just not with actually bare feet but just watching that and then later on when he's trying to clean out his foot in the bathroom sink it's just like oh it gives you like gross feelings like you 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 can feel the glass in your own fucking foot
1: (laughs) yeah he's cleaning off the glass he's talking with Val over the radio
0: oh yes this is the one scene that I would concede would fall under the category of number five, warm and fuzzies. Oh,
1: this is the scene. Okay. Yeah. I would say there there are two scenes that should categorize the warm and fuzzies. No,
0: I think this is the closest one to warm and fuzzies because, you know, I know you've gone on and on about the themes of family and da-da-da-da-da. There are no... It's really not present in this movie it at is. all. Except in this one scene where... He's talking to Al on the radio and he tells him, hey, I'm not liking my odds here. I need you to tell my wife that I'm sorry and I love her and all this good stuff. It's really well acted. Tell her that
1: that she is the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. She's heard me saying I love you a thousand times you know heard you say i'm sorry
0: you felt it you felt it in your heart area and that is by definition warm and fuzzies however the only reason why i wouldn't categorize this as warm and fuzzies under the christmas umbrella is because a it has something to do with christmas and b it's like a not even five minute scene
1: Yes, while there is all this pain and suffering that he has now undergone, he has learned to appreciate his family, his life, his he, his wife. He appreciates her. It's all there building towards redemption for John McLean, And this is why it is a Christmas miracle
0: uh-huh yeah okay uh, i know we're not necessarily talking about the other movies in this argument but um hey scott we're, we're not talking what, about the what other happened movies. in the other movies between him and his wife do they do they last do they last forever that and doesn't
1: matter in this live argument. the rest of their
0: life in christmas-fueled bliss
1: we don't see the end of a lot of christmas movies in It's a Wonderful Life, we don't have a sequel where he actually does shoot himself in the fucking head. Well, because he doesn't. We don't know that. We don't <laughs> see it.
0: Well, no, because in that movie, he actually does learn to appreciate his family and, and go jump- home and sing "All Lang Syne with all the townspeople, and they all love him and he loves we them. We don't
1: see it. it we do. No, we, we do see that. We-, we see that. We don't see after that. We have no idea what oh, happens Oh, so after your that.
0: argument is perhaps after all of that Michigas warm and fuzzy ooey gooey nonsense. He then decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to kill myself anyway.
1: It could have happened. He could have been I hit by think, a bus.
0: I don't think that. Well, I mean, anyone can get hit by a bus any old time. That's not the point. The point is, if he got hit by a bus, he would have died with Christmas spirit in his heart, okay? It doesn't, John McClane would have died with not that. John McClane would have died he would have died knowing that he was an asshole to his wife before he died yes that really but isn't. he would have he had learned what was right but why did he learn that did he learn that because he was in a life and death situation or did he learn that because of the power of christmas and it's a
1: wonderful life why did he learn his lesson
0: because of the power of christmas angel
1: and again it's a christmas miracle
0: no oh my god this is insane <laughs> You're just, like, r- grasping at all of the straws. No, I'm not. It is a Christmas miracle. Okay, sweetie. Sure it is. While
1: he's cleaning off his feet, the FBI finally cut the power to the building, opening up the safe, and releasing the bonds to the terrorists.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a good scene. The vault opens, and it's Ode to Joy. And it, the fucking light hits all the terrorists one by one, and they're all like, <gasps> And it ends
1: with fear going, It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Again, just because you have Christmas iconography and Christmas lines in your movie doesn't mean it's a Christmas movie.
1: It has the themes, too. There are more criteria that
0: need to be met, Scott. It has
1: the themes, too. We then cut to, as they are getting ready to leave and bring all the hostages up to the roof, there's a news story that appears on the television with Mr. Formberg interviewing the McLean Children.
0: children. Oh my god i i must tell you when this fucking reporter motherfucker went up to the mclean's home address and tried to get in the house to talk to their children and when the nanny said no 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 you're not getting your ass in here he threatened her with ins are you fucking insane are you a crazy person? What a fucking scumbag. I, at that point, I forgot about the INS thing. I knew he, he talked to the kids. I remembered that, but I forgot the INS thing. And when I saw that whole sequence, I was like, I cannot wait for Holly to punch this motherfucker in the face.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed.
0: Mama Bear is coming.
1: <laughs> this leads to Hans pulling up the picture, seeing Holly and John standing there together. And he goes, It's wonderful to meet you, Holly McLean.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, you're just like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) That's like what's great about it is that even after seeing this movie a million times and knowing everything that's happening, you still have that feeling as the audience like, oh, shit, no, 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 no. (laughs) The rest of the
1: hostages besides Holly get sent to the roof. The FBI said that they are giving the terrorists the helicopters they had asked for earlier. But, of course, the FBI plans to shoot the terrorist,
0: Right, but the, the terrorists plan on sending all the people up to the roof and then blowing it the fuck up to create a distraction and make them believe that the terrorists are all dead so they can get away.
1: It's a double cross, and Bruce Willis is about to tell Al that, but Carl cuts him off, and they have a knockdown, drag-out fist fight.
0: Yeah, this is another point, too, this whole sequence with McClane and Carl where... It's so gritty and grounded. Like, if it looks like a real down and dirty fist fight, it, it doesn't look hollywoodized or choreographed.
1: They're beating the hell out of each other. And then it eventually leads to John wrapping a chain around Carl's neck and hanging him, basically. But John is beating the fuck up. He finally runs up to the hostages and is like, Where's Holly? Where's Holly? And the pregnant lady goes, They took her to the vault. He goes, everybody, get down. The roof's going to blow. And then nobody's listening to him because they're all, of course, like, oh,
0: Just like that.
1: Exactly. So John shoots into the air. The FBI, who's in the helicopter, think he's a terrorist. They start shooting at John. The hostages start running down. And this leads to another great fucking scene where John ties the hose to himself. And as the roof blows up, killing the FBI agents throws himself off the roof and breaks through the side of the glass in the Nakatomi Towers, barely escaping, falling to his death. It's just such a great fucking scene, and you're like, holy shit, man.
0: Yeah, that was pretty fucking boss. You can see yourself as John McClane, standing on the roof of this building, like, tying yourself to this hose, like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) What the hell are you doing, John?
1: (laughs) So... Argyle, who is still in the movie.
0: Yeah, remember him? He's still fucking here. He's been... in his fucking limo.
1: We haven't brought him up since to be in the movie because he's been locked in the garage of Nakatomi Towers, just kinda chilling there waiting for John. And he finally sees Fio loading the money up. He drives over, crashes into Fio's car, gets out and knocks out Theo with one punch. And you're like, Yeah, Argyle, there you go. Finally
0: you're useful. We had you sit in a limo this whole movie just for that scene.
1: (laughs) John is going up to the vault where he spies some Christmas tape. It's just like packing tape, though. But it's Christmas themed packing tape. Oh, okay. And like the Christmas spirit of vengeance, John tapes the gun to his back. And as he walks up, Hans, of course, has Holly with a gun to her head. There's another goon there. Hans starts doing his evil speech.
0: What was it you said to me before? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we cut down the gun tape to John's back. John pulls it out, shoots Hans in the shoulder after yelling for Holly the duck, and then shoots the other goon in the head.
0: This scene is so crazy. Like, the second he walks in the room, McLean, Holly is standing there with the gun to her head, and she's just like, Jesus. Because <laughs> McLean looks so fucked.
1: <laughs> ha Un starts falling back, falls through the glass window, is holding on to the Rolex that Holly got earlier.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a whole thing where... Ellis made some fucking smart-ass comment like oh we got Holly a Rolex because she's been so good to the company you know it's no big deal ha 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 and when Hans falls out the window he grabs onto Holly's hand and is holding on by the fucking watch and McLean has to with much much difficulty unclip this fucking watch from her wrist to get him off of her symbolism
1: They finally get the wristwatch off and Hans falls to his death.
0: Yes, fun fact about this particular scene, because obviously this moment where Hans is falling off of the roof is an iconic moment as well in the movie. You can just see the incredible fear in Hans Gruber's eyes as he falls. For the shot, Alan Rickman was actually falling from a 21-foot-high model, holding on to... A stunt guy who, when he was letting him go, was like, okay, we're going to count to three and then we're going to let you go. One, two, and then he let him go on two instead of three. (laughs) And the purpose of that, obviously, was to get a genuine reaction of fear in his eyes, which worked out perfectly. And Hans is dead. Ding dong, The Hans is dead. Yes,
1: Hans is dead. John and Holly finally were walking out of Nakatomi Plaza in each other's arms.
0: Yeah, it's a, really, it's a sweet moment. Is it? Su- it's. I don't get warm and fuzzies from it.
1: They are together, finally. Their love has conquered. They have survived. They are together
0: again. Listen, as- no, 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 but you understand. Warm and fuzzies are different, okay? A sweet moment is not the same as a warm and fuzzy well, moment. But, but then and a get- warm and fuzzy moment is not necessarily the same thing as a Christmas warm and fuzzy moment. But
1: then we also get ow. Our- and John, who finally embrace and hug and they're friends, and friendship is a big important part of Christmas and oh, it's so good.
0: I well, I would say that they're friends, sure, but that hug, it's not necessarily a friendship hug. It's a more like, you made it, man. Like McLean when he when he hugs him, he kinda lets out this huge, like, sigh, laugh thing. It's very it's 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 very real and it's very visceral, but I wouldn't say it's a, you know, you and I are buddies now and we're going to go arm in arm down the yellow brick road. They've gone through this
1: emotional thing. They now have this new budding friendship. They know the brotherhood of man is real. There is a brotherhood of man.
0: A benevolent brotherhood of man. Um, no, what are you talking about? Al spent the whole fucking movie fighting with the deputy police chief. Because he believed in John. Right, but you're you just said see, this is why you're grasping at strong. You're just know, pulling shit out of your ass. I know You're gonna, like the police are a brotherhood of man, even though this police chief is a fucking dingbat. Just because
1: there's one dingbat does not mean
0: Oh, but Brotherhood of Man. I thought we were talking about the Brotherhood of Man. He is
1: in the Brotherhood of Man, but he the air can be dingbats in the Brotherhood of Man.
0: Okay. I sense no Christmas themes here. There are Family, redemption. You know, you can say family, (laughs) but there's no family themes here. It
1: is. He learns the importance of his family, of of supporting Holly, of being a better husband. All these are being better for his family.
0: Okay. When you go through a near-death experience, you get a lot of rushing of emotions and things. But generally, they don't last, which is so obviously exactly. the case in this particular well, sense. Well, exactly.
1: So you're saying in It's a Wonderful Life that no. won't last because, you know, he fought about committing suicide, which is a near-death experience. No,
0: that's No, um, that's not the same thing. No, so, but <laughs> that's said, not the same no. thing. He had a whole experience and with so, a Christmas angel and teaching him the ways of the world. Just and because this doesn't Teaching have a- him about his life and the whole purpose of that movie was to teach Jimmy Stewart a lesson. The whole purpose of this movie is John McClane being a badass. No,
1: John McClane learns
0: a lesson. Scott, this isn't a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas I movie. I really hate to break it to you, but y- you know you're just really just pulling it out of your ass.
1: No, I'm not. I have laid out good arguments, sound arguments, because I have more arguments. But we'll get there.
0: All right, let's let's uh, wrap this baby up, this also, and then we'll we'll have our final arguments as
1: they are. Leaving beaten, bloodied, bruised. Carl comes out of the body bag to shoot John and Holly. But who comes up with a gun to finally shoot? It's Al Powell because...
0: Yay! This is a really important scene for Al Powell because earlier, around the time where John McLean was having his emotional moment talking about Holly, Al reciprocates the mushy-gushy stuff by revealing to McLean that the reason he's a desk jockey and not on the streets anymore is because he had an incident where he accidentally shot a thirteen-year-old kid, and it's a really, really powerful acting moment for him. He he says a line that's really I thought was really powerful. He said, um, "When you're a rookie, they teach you everything. They teach you everything and anything except how to live with a mistake." you feel so bad for him because you know he's a good guy he's a stand-up motherfucker and he just he made this terrible mistake and he has to live with that forever but in this moment where he shoots Carl you kind of get a little bit of redemption for him even though like yeah he's still gonna have to live with what he did to that kid he at least can know in his heart and soul like he is a good cop and he At least tries to do the right thing.
1: And he made sure the McLean children got their parents home.
0: Yes, exactly. That's... Both of them, like I said, they have great chemistry together. But even on their own, they have really good moments.
1: The news reporter comes up into Holly's face and is like, Do you have uh, anything to say, Mrs. McLean? And she punches him in the face.
0: Oh, I felt so good.
1: (laughs) Now Argyle puts them into the limo where they start making out. Argyle, of course, ends us with, uh, if this is their idea at Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's.
0: Ah, waka waka.
1: <laughs> and now that the movie's over, like many Christmas movies, the darkness has subsided. We can get back to Christmas.
0: And we end with uh, Let It Snow.
1: And we end with Let It Snow.
0: I agree with you that this movie has some elements that could constitute a Christmas movie. However... I think the most important element that would be required for a Christmas movie is lacking. And that is the main plot revolving around Christmas.
1: And I believe that...
0: I wasn't done! Sorry. Now, is the party that we start off with a Christmas party? Yes. Did it have to be a Christmas party for the plot to work? No, it could have been an Arbor Day party for all we know. No, it, couldn't it wouldn't though. have changed anything. No one has the Arbor Day party. The point I'm el- making is you can eliminate most holidays. Honey, honey, dear, darling, the point I'm making is that the fact that it's a Christmas party has no bearing on the actual plot. It could have been any old holiday, and the plot could have been exactly the same.
1: Christmas doesn't have to be the main focus.
0: It does to be a Christmas movie. No, it does not have to be. It does.
1: Again, It's a Wonderful Life. The main focus isn't Christmas. Christmas is a whole
0: fucking side plot. Christmas- The central storyline of It's a Wonderful Life is dependent on the fact that it's Christmas. It's not dependent on the fact that it's Christmas. It is. And most of the movie takes place in the past. Not on Christmas- Oh, my God. You know, Scott, I think you and I are both very stubborn, and we're going to have to agree to disagree.
1: Fine.
0: For that is the true spirit of Christmas, finding common ground with your fellow man or woman. Woman. Whoa, man. Whoa. man. Now that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> anyway, I, I think we both make cogent arguments, But I I think at the end of the day, it comes down to you think that the movie depends on Christmas. I certainly don't. You think that a Christmas movie doesn't have to be all about Christmas. I pretty much do. I mean, for the most part. You know, like I said, as long as it fits the criteria, the Frankie's Five Festive Fabulous criteria, then it's a go. But I don't feel that Die Hard fits that. I,
1: again, I disagree. I believe Die Hard fits all your criteria even if it is just slightly fitting it it still fits it I believe
0: the audience will have my back on this situation okay and I think they're gonna think that you're just again grasping at all of the straws but at the end of the day the one thing we can all agree on is that Die Hard is awesome yes Scott what do you have it rated
1: I have a 5 out of 5 baby hmm, I have a 4 out of 5 that is incorrect but okay
0: okay bitch fine whatever the point is it's awesome i you know we can both agree on that so let's not fucking argue again on (laughs) something that is already done (laughs) oh lord all right so this is our last episode not just of 2020 but of season one of shoot the flick we will come back on january 6th yes And on that magical day, we will be starting our brand new monthly series. I'm not going to tell you what movie series we'll be covering, but I'm particularly quite excited about it. Let's just put it that way. It should be interesting. I know 2020 has been crazy and it's been really horrible for most of us, if not all of us. But hopefully around the corner, there's a little bit of light like scott's been saying there's always darkness before the light and i personally can't wait to come back next year and watch some more movies and do some new stuff too on this podcast we hope you have
1: a merry christmas we hope you have happy holidays happy hanukkah to my fellow jews happy new year go watch die hard
0: yeah, I'll I'll co-sign on all of that. Even though I don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, it's still a fun movie to watch. So yeah, go watch Die Hard. <laughs> and you know, while you're at it, watch It's a Wonderful Life, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Scrooged. And until the great year of 2021, this has been... Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And make sure you check out season two starting January 6th on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back and check out our crazy, wild, and wacky movie adventures. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! Mark the hell.